Hi everyone, I'm Ruby Scupp and I'm so excited to welcome you to the second episode of Panthers on Politics, the podcast where we discuss relevant political news, information, and resources. As you might know, March is Women's History Month, so we thought it would be a great focus for today's episode. We'll be diving into women's suffrage, female representation in politics, and highlighting some relevant organizations here in Pittsburgh. So we have some great guests joining us today. Um, If you guys want to introduce yourself, we can start with um, Kelsey and then go around. Hi, my name is Kelsey. I'm a junior here at Pitt. Um, I major in political science and economics, and I minor in statistics. And um, I am the residing president of Women in Politics. Hi, my name is Alira Brooks. Um, My pronouns are she, her. Um, I'm the secretary for Women in Politics, and I'm a junior here at Pitt, studying political science and English with a minor in Africana Studies. Hi, everyone. I'm Liam Pumaza. I'm a second year political science major and linguistics minor here at Pitt, and I'm the PR chair of Women in Politics. My name is Michelle Knoll, and I'm the president of the League of Women Voters of Greater Pittsburgh, and we're affiliated with the League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania. Awesome. Thank you all for being here. Um, So we first just want to briefly dive into the background of Women's History Month. It began actually as Women's History Week in 1978 in California, but quickly spread and has been proclaimed by presidents every year since 1995 as Women's History Month. And it's really important because it's a time to celebrate the contributions and achievements of women in American history in all fields and facets of life including science, literature, art, sports, and of course, government. And one of the main goals of this month is to impact the aspirations of girls and young women and open up new opportunities for them. We want to specifically narrow in on the history of American women in politics. And to do that, it's crucial to look at women's suffrage. I know the League of Women Voters has been a long-standing organization involved in these voting rights. Um, So I just want to ask you, Michelle, could you tell us a little bit more about the League and its mission? Sure. The League is 103 years old, and the women who founded the League came out of the suffrage movement. Um, They they were, you know, basically rule breakers. You know, the expression... um, women, uh, well-behaved women rarely make history, you know, and, and the League women or the women who were the suffrage in the suffrage movement actually went to jail. You know, they protested outside the prisoner president's house. They were um, in England were subjected to force feedings. So there are a lot of, um, there actually were a pretty brave group of women back when they started fighting for the right to vote. But it, it wasn't just the right to vote that was behind the suffrage movement. Um, you know, there was a long list, access to education and job opportunities, more power within churches, and a control over your own power, um, your own property and money, which women did not have at that time. You know, so the suffrage movement comes out of, people often think of it uh, with the 19th Amendment in terms of you know, getting the right to vote, but there were other things that women were fighting for. So, so how did you get interested in this organization? Why did you sort of start to get involved? Well, our, our mission, too, is to empower voters and defend democracy. So that really appeals to me. And, you know, we believe that education is the answer to bad government. So I first went to an education committee because I'm an educator. Um, my undergraduate and my graduate degrees are both in education. 
And I really enjoyed the conversations and the things that people were trying to accomplish, like fair funding for education in the state of Pennsylvania. And then I went to a voter service meeting and a lot of voter service is um, registering voters, but it also is um, mounting uh, forums for, we don't call them a debate, we call them forums. And also uh, that voter service includes registering new citizens. And so I went to a couple of ceremonies where people were being sworn in as new citizens and they were really inspiring. I mean, people had amazing stories about having lived in refugee camps for like over 10 years and finally getting to be an American citizen and, and immediately wanting to register so that they could vote the next time there was an election. So I, and then I um, became uh, the director of advocacy uh, for the, on the board of the uh, League of Women Voters. And then um, they needed a president. And so they asked me to run for president and then I was elected uh, to be president. And really, there are so many really dedicated volunteers that I'm pretty much just steering the ship. You know, I think that a lot of people get a lot done um, and I just make sure that we're kind of on course for our mission. That's great. So uh, moving on to women's suffrage, I know you briefly described this already, but could you give us another like brief overview of just the history of the movement? Sure. It, you know, um, there were several kind of conventions, but there, the most famous one was the Seneca Falls, which is in um, New York. And there were about 300 people there, including Frederick Douglass. Uh, who was a former enslaved uh, person. And, um, you know, the, the very famous names that we know are Lucretia Mott, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, you know, and several other women who were involved. And they did um, actually write up a, 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 a Declaration of Sentiments, and it was based on Jeff Jefferson's Declaration of Independence. And uh, all men and women were created equal was a very uh, radical thing to say at that time. Um, Pennsylvania itself, as we move towards the the, um, the getting the 19th Amendment passed, we were not early on in the in the voting of um, ratifying that. Uh, there was a woman who was in Chester County, Catherine Wentworth Ruschenberger, who came up with the idea to have this bell cast, um, a large bell that was uh, to it said on the side established just justice and it was a replica of a liberty bell and she carried it all to all 67 uh, counties in the state to get to to drum up some interest in ratifying the 19th amendment and it was only rung once it, uh, the 19th amendment was ratified and it was rung in in philadelphia right where the liberty bell is to celebrate the fact that women got the right to vote my own grandmother and my own great-grandmother would not have had the right to vote when they were young women so it's not that long ago in our history um, that that women did not have equal rights. I mean, when I was a young woman in the 70s, women didn't always have the right to have a credit card. I know that sounds amazing. And I kept my maiden name and that was very radical in the 70s. You know, when people would ask, they would ask me to prove that I was married to get health insurance and, you know, for mortgages and things like that. So things have changed a great deal and yet just this month, we celebrated the Equal Pay Day, meaning that that's how long extra that women have to work in a year to earn the same as a man in that same position. So, you know, equal pay is not where we'd like to see it right now. And that's a white woman. Black women and Latina women have a much lower pay scale than even a white woman. So that's another reason that 
suffrage was really important. We have several important people here in the Pittsburgh area. Um, Daisy Elizabeth Adams uh, Lampkin, she was a suffragist. Um, sadly, in the early days of the League of Women Voters, uh, there was not a lot of acceptance of women of color. Um, they were asked not to march with the white women. The white women were often women who were upper middle class or upper class because they had the luxury of having time <coughs> to vote or to um, work on suffrage, the suffrage movement, whereas women who were working all the time uh, did not have that time. And she was really instrumental in organizing um, what is was known as the uh, Lucy Stone Women's Suffrage League um, and really um, created a large base for the NAACP members. Miss, Miss Emma Ritt and Miss Mary Witt were two people in Pittsburgh who um, established a, the Aurora Reading Club that first met in 1894, but still is active today. And so they were in response to wanting to be part of this movement. And unfortunately, it wasn't um, until some time later that, that uh, women of color were really invited to join. But I am um, very happy to tell you that the League of Women Voters of Greater Pittsburgh and the League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania have um, are collaborating with the National Council of Negro Women. That's a new collaboration. And so we're working very hard together to reach out to um, neighborhoods, uh, like resilient uh, neighborhoods that need to hear about their, uh, the right to vote and, and to exercise the right to vote. That's great. It's so interesting to hear about how much was going on in Pittsburgh and just Pennsylvania in general. Yeah, there was this 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 whole group of women that took over a printing press and and mm -hmm. publicized women's suffrage. And um, you know, they had to become the the one woman had to become a union member, and then they stood on street corners and sold these uh, newspapers, which is you know when you think about it, the time that women really didn't have that many rights and. They sold the most new newspapers about the suffrage movement that day than, than that newspaper had ever circulated. So people were eager for news about what was going on. But it is, Pennsylvania really was at the center of what was happening nationally. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, so just to sum this all up, thank you for giving us this great information. Um, why do you think it is so important to learn about and talk about women's suffrage today? Well, only 31% of our General Assembly in Pennsylvania is, is comprised of women and very few women of color. And 51% of our population is women, you know, and, mm -hmm. and more women are college educated. We know that women, when they are elected to office, work across the aisle more, they get more um, legislation passed that affects the family. So they, they get more legislation passed about education and about taking care of the family and, and raising up women. And we know that when women are able to accomplish what they want, then their families do better and then all of society does better. So it's very important to continue to think about um, all these things that are important and, and um, not to let that pass into history. I mean, we ought, of course we need to study history to know where we went wrong and, and what we did right. But to remember that there are still things like women not earning as much as men and women not having the same kind of rights in some situations as men. Um, 
that that are very important in terms of, of understanding where women came from and where women need to go and where we can progress from there. Yeah, that's very true. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to close this out by asking, are there any resources or any more information that you want to share to our listeners or how do people get involved in the League of Women Voters? So um, we have a wonderful website <clears throat> that's very comprehensive and has actually become a national and, and state model. Uh, so I would urge you to go there. It's lwvpgh.org and it has information about elected officials, it has information about how to register to vote, it has information, it has this suffrage uh, information on there, um, lots of things like the journey of a ballot. We've also started to add um, uh, ASL, American Sign Language, to some of our videos so that people from the deaf community can um, understand that. We have information for returning citizens or formerly incarcerated citizens on the, our website. You can also go to Vote 411, which is going to give you answers that the candidates themselves supplied. So we, we have select questions, they answer them, and then we publish them. And that's a very good um, resource. The league itself has registration events. You know, we go to colleges, high schools, we go to parades, street corners, we go anywhere we can register people to vote. And um, we would very much like uh, young voters to know that many, many, many more people my age vote than, than do young voters. And so, of course, that means that when I am trying to vote for something, I'm thinking about what concerns me. But I'm not always thinking about what concerns a younger voter. So it's important for young voters not only to vote in this election, but to vote in every election, because it's not just the presidential years that are important. Um, this year we have lots of school board elections, so they, the control of your own local school board. We have the county, what we used to call the row offices, that our county executive is being elected. This particular election, this primary, they will select a candidate, um, the two parties, and then go on to the general election. So this is a very important election for the people who control your everyday life. You know, your local taxes, your local schools, you know, all those things that are very important. The presidential elections are very important, of course, but all the elections are incredibly important. And it's incredibly important to be a super voter, to vote every time so that your voice is heard and what you want to be heard for, you know, your, the things that are important in your life. When I was young, um, people were uh, trying to get the vote for 18-year-olds. For 18-year-olds were going to Vietnam and dying in the war and they couldn't vote. You know, so there was a huge uh, protest movement. It was before I entered college, but people all over the country protested against that. And then that was amended. And so now we have 18-year-olds who can vote instead of 21-year-olds. So things can change and you can have a bigger voice. And many more people who were young did register recently and did vote. Um, many women re recently registered in the state of Pennsylvania when we had the threat of a constitutional amendment on reproductive rights. And that's very important to note. So when people see it affects them personally, then they get more involved. And we'd like to see everybody involved all the time so that you really have a say in what happens in your 
you know, in your future. So another critical part of the conversation about women in politics is representation in regards to women within the field, women working in the creation of policy, and of course, politicians. And here I want to ask you guys, I know Pitt's Women in Politics Club is involved in this area a lot. Um, could you tell us more about the club and describe what you guys do and your goals? Um, okay, so we're um, a grassroots club here um, at Pitt. Um, we're very focused on collaborating with the local community and getting um, Pitt students interested in politics and community organization. Um, so some of the things that we do are we volunteer with um, local organizations on campus. We also collaborate with other clubs, such as PSSA, um, and we meet semi-regularly and have um, women professors here who are who specialize in politics to speak to us about um, working within politics, their research within politics, as well as how we can get involved in other research opportunities that um, these professors provide. Yeah, so we basically come together, not every week so much, at least once a month we come together and it's basically a safe space for girls to not kind of get overspoken or dominated by um, men in the political science field, which often happens in classes and just in academia spheres in general. So we're able to just come together and be comfortable with each other and how us as women or whoever, however people identify, um, female, feminine ident identifying people as well. Um, how we feel in the political field and our own experiences. I agree. And if I can just add, um, like Kelsey and Uliera said, it's just like an open space for feminine presenting persons to express ideas pertaining to politics and womanhood. And more importantly, a space to feel represented and validated because a lot of times on campus we see structures that don't necessarily reflect that. And I think anyone who's ever been to one of our meetings can tell that Everyone is so sharing and, and it's almost like a Socratic seminar, like a round table where people are just ex expressing feelings that they may have suppressed, you know, in that whole week being overspoken. That's really awesome. So how did all of you get interested in this club? Um, Kelsey actually came up to me in my sophomore year. Uh, we had a few classes together, I think, within the political science field. And she came to me with a proposal um, of starting a club with her um, that was geared towards feminine presenting individuals um, to discuss politics and the political environment here on campus. Uh, we noticed that there was a bit of a hole within campus and within the campus organizations where people like women could discuss politics and how they feel um, about uh, the department within the education. So we wanted to create a space where women could come and just speak freely about their feelings of politics, different ideas that they had. Um, so I was really interested um, in what Kelsey had to say, and I jumped on it as soon as I could. I wanted to be on the e-board. I wanted to really get into the nitty gritty of it because I was really passionate about it. And I thought that Kelsey um, had really spoken up for in a majority on campus. 
I can add also to this. Um, I got reached out to by a good friend of mine, Jenna Farag, who Kelsey had reached out to, and she kind of asked me that. Um, she said that there's a group on campus and they were looking for a founding board member and volunteered to be the PR chair because that was something I was skilled in. But um, what really stuck out to me about this opportunity was that I didn't realize how demanded and needed this space was. I remember Kelsey saying something along the lines of like, there's women in economics and women in law, but there's no women in politics oftentimes because um, people don't really see the diversity in like this the specificity of like having a woman in politics organization because not all women who are political science majors want to be lawyers or something of that sort so um it's just a very like catered and unique organization that i'm really happy to be a part of great so why do you guys think it i know you kind of addressed this a little bit already but why do you think it is so important to support female representation in politics? Um, when females start to join politics, it kind of motivates um, younger girls and other women to just participate in politics in general. If you see that um, there's um, a politician running and she's a woman and she has a chance, then you're, you're likely to go out and vote because if she could run for office, then I could show up to the voting polls. So I think it's uh, especially important in mobilizing women in the voting process. Yeah, just going off that, I think that there's a tendency within um, our culture for people to overlook women and to especially overlook our interests within um, the political sphere, within the social sphere, within the economic sphere, um, there is a tendency to regard our opinions as invalid because of our gender um, and with the historic connotations that our gender has um, in our society. So I think it's very important for women to kind of push ourselves into these spaces because if we don't, um, what will our future look like? Will we continue to have these same patriarchal um, standards that dominate our society continue on for future generations um, and have women still play a supporting or a back role in, in these, um, these movements? So I think it's especially important for women to join into politics because we have a voice. We are um, people who participate in American society who live in this world. And we should have a say in how our lives are lived and how um, our, you know, our world is uh, led. So yes. I agree, definitely. And I think that every step that we take in, in politics is like a progression of undoing a stereotype that's made about women and in leadership positions. And I think female representation in politics is the only way to kind of appropriately de-escalate the bias in policymaking against women. And obviously in an ideal world, everyone is represented equally and fairly and appropriately. Um, and I think that's the case that I think everyone wants that to be the case, but unfortunately it's not. And since women are a marginalized community, but they're not exactly a minority, obviously like the US specifically is divided pretty equally between men and women and other respective genders. I think it's crazy that we don't have nearly a, enough representation to show that like we're kind of the vast majority of, you know, the future. Yeah, I think that is really important. And 
there are, I mean, all policies are relevant and important and affect women, but especially policies like, you know, equal pay, paid family and medical leave, um, reproductive rights, maternal health. So I completely agree that there are a lot of these policies that we need more female representation for. Um, and going off of what you guys are mentioning, I thought I would just bring up some stats and info that I researched about it. Um, so representation among amongst politicians has actually made major strides recently, including for women of color and members of the LGBTQ community. Um, for example, in the White House, obviously we have Vice President Kamala Harris, um, who's the first woman to serve in this role, which is really cool. And then elsewhere, you have Majority Leader Nancy Pelosi, who's the only woman in history to serve as Speaker of the House. Um, and then, but then if you look at other statistics, like today, women represent less than a, qu a quarter of current senators. Um, out of 100 of the largest U.S. cities, only 27% of mayors are women. And women only represent 18% of governors nation nationwide. So it's really like at every level of the government that, you know, changes should probably be made. Um, and I was also looking at policies that would help increase um, women in leadership roles. And so some of these I just wanted to highlight from the Center of American Progress. So one of them was actively recruiting women of color and candidates outside traditional networks, um, reducing the role of big money in elections by adopting systems of small donor public financing, um, improving wages for public service professionals, improving work family policies and legislatures, and overall just fostering a culture of equity and respect on campaign trails. Great, so I just wanted to close this out by saying, are there any resources or any more information that you guys want to share um, to the listeners or if people want to get involved in women in politics? Um, if you would like to get involved, you can search us up on social media, specifically Instagram, which is just women in politics at Pitt. And then if you just look on the student organization directory for women in politics at Pitt, we'll also be there. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode.